0: Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Oftentimes when you're having conversations with other people, both male and female, you say, if you are into sports, you say, who do you follow? And they might say, I follow the Packers. I'm so sorry. Uh, or people follow the stock market or they follow trends or, you know, people are sometimes car connoisseurs and they follow this or that. And there's, there's a ton of things in life that you can follow. You know, you can keep your eye on something and it can really consume you. But when Jesus opened his public ministry, he gave two words that have really defined what it means to be a believer. Two small words, very powerful. In fact, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three show that this was his opening preaching. This is what he said. He said, follow me. Now, he ran into people along his journey in his three, three and a half year ministry where... Uh, There was an exchange. Some people came up to him and said, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus responded, you know, uh, birds have nests and there's holes for foxes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he would often challenge people to count the cost. If you really want to follow me, this is what it's going to take. Rich young ruler ran up to him in Luke chapter 18 And said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's no one good but God alone. He was not denying his goodness. He was saying, if you call me good, you're calling me God. And Jesus basically said, you know the commandments, keep them. And there was an exchange in that. And Jesus got to the root of the rich young ruler's problem. His God, what he was truly following was money. Money had taken an elevated spot in his life, and Jesus said, go and sell all your possessions, give them to the poor, and follow me. And the rich young ruler, because he had many possessions, his face fell, and he walked away sorrowfully, and in a poignant moment in Scripture, as much as we could talk about what might have happened afterwards, Jesus let him go. Let him go. We don't know what happened after that. We don't know if the rich young ruler came to his senses later. We could conjecture about what might have happened, but he let him go. And Jesus said, How difficult it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Riches are not necessarily the problem, but it's the love of money, not money, but the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evil. And the worst uh, evil of all. Is that you have something that captures your attention so deeply that it keeps you from following your creator and letting him use you for what he has in your life. Let's pray. Father, as we talk about a message called Follow Me, we want to be people who follow you faithfully. We want to hear the voice of our shepherd and follow. We want to see what that means for our lives today. In this contemporary culture, in this year, a new year ahead of us, what does it mean for us to follow? Is it the same call today as it was almost 2,000 years ago? Father, help us, Lord, as we get into your word, you're the author of scripture. You're the author of the call. So many of us can resonate with these two little words that mean so much because It was a life-changing moment for us when we heard your voice and followed. And so, Father, I pray that you'll speak to us now, add and take away from what I've put on paper uh, so that your voice may be heard and so that we might respond in a way that would bring you glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I heard about an accident that happened in a kind of a nowhere place in a town and a man lost control of his car, and he got into a pretty violent collision. And uh, there was was a, a good Samaritan, and he saw the accident, and he pulled the guy out of the car, and it was tough to get an ambulance in this part of where they were. And so he put the man in the back seat of his car, and he rushed off to a gas station to try to call for help and see what he could find. Well, the man had been unconscious in the accident, so he started to come to in the back seat of this man's car. And he really didn't know. The last thing he remembered was the crashing of glass and everything. But he was startled and staggered and began to shake violently. Where the man had taken him was to a Shell gas station. It was open 24 hours a day. There was only one problem. The Shell gas station had a lit up light and the S had gone out. And so when the man looked at the sign... He saw hell open 24 hours a day. (laughs) So that would be pretty scary. (laughs) I'm told that there's a, at an Indiana cemetery, there's a tombstone. It's more than 100 years old. It bears the following epithet. Pause, stranger, when you pass me by. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. So prepare for death and follow me. An unknown passerby read those words and underneath scratched this reply. To follow you I'm not content until I know which way you went. (laughs) You know, of all that we could talk about in the world of philosophy and religion, is the question is, where is your worldview going to uh, cause you to end up? You know, Chuck Swindoll famously said, it's not so much if you can live with your worldview, it's if you can die with it. And we all know that this life is temporary. I think, you know, we've all experienced the temporal nature of life when we hear news that shocks us and surprises us, and people go into eternity at alarming rates, rates that we don't really want to think about. And the question that really emerges is: there, is there something to hold on to? Is there something that is truly eternal? Is there something that uh, I can say is going to bring me safely home into that heavenly kingdom? Well, the Bible says in Mark 1.14 that after John, that's John the Baptist, if you follow along with me, Mark 1.14, had been taken into custody. So John, the, the one who would prepare the way of the Lord now, is falling into the backdrop. His story is told in further detail in Mark 6, which we'll look at, and we, I think most of us know what happened to John. He was taken into custody. He was calling out the king for immorality. John was a voice who was not afraid even to call out political leaders for their immorality. And John was imprisoned. And Herod liked to talk to him, but there was a dinner party. And because of a foolish thing that Herod did, because of his wife, who was upset with John, John lost his life. Well, the Bible picks up the story here in the fast-moving gospel of Mark by telling us that John had been taken into custody. And Jesus Came into Galilee, that northern region, in the uh, upper part of the the nation of Israel, and he was preaching the gospel of God. So the forerunner falls off the stage, if you will, or at least you know he's in the backdrop now, and Jesus emerges, and this is really what John's ministry was all about. In fact. The gospel of John kind of gives us a little bit more insight into the early days at the Jordan River, and the the apostles, or not the apostles, but the disciples, because even John had disciples, um, of John the Baptist came to him, and they they said, uh, said, uh, John, um, there's more and more people coming to him, and fewer coming to us, and John said, don't worry about that. This is what needed to happen. And in the famous words in John 3.30, he said, he must increase. Remember? I must decrease. Now, even in this early call from John's gospel, and you can write this down in your notes, it's chapter 1, verses 35 through 51 in John 1. We get a little bit more, and we see that Peter and Andrew and James and John were already kind of tuned in spiritually. They were... They probably had been baptized in John's baptism. And it was Andrew, Peter's brother, who introduced him first to the Messiah. So before this formal call comes, these fishermen have already been exposed to John the Baptist testifying to Jesus that he's the Lamb of God who takes away, remember, the sin of the world. There's already been some stirring in these guys' lives But they were fishermen, and they went back fishing. And Jesus emerges on the scene now, now in the Galilee region, and he begins preaching the gospel of God. The gospel is God's gospel. Gospel, euangelion in Greek, means good news. The gospel is the good news of God. It is God's good news. It's not man's. It's God's. You need to see that. It's the gospel of God. That's what Jesus came preaching. That's what Paul preached, the gospel of God. This is God's message to man. It's not made up by man. It's God's message. It's rooted in the Old Testament. It's rooted in prophecy. It's rooted in the book of Isaiah. If you go back there for a second, I want to remind you of what this looks like because we look at a few of the prophecies. Hey, folks, this is Pastor Michael Lanson. This is Living Truth Radio, and we'll be back to the teaching in a moment. I wanna tell you about a special offer that we have available at Living Truth Radio. It's a book that I've written called Suit Up, Putting On the Full Armor of God. It's all about spiritual warfare. It's all about how to overcome temptation, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it's a special offer. Go to our website, livingtruthradio.org, click on the donate button, and for any donation, we will send you a copy of that book. Just let us know in the contact form that you'd like a copy of that book. And now, back to the teaching. Isaiah chapter 40, and here's what's going on. In Isaiah chapter 40, there's a transition in the book of Isaiah. And the, the people of Israel are wondering if God has forsaken them. In fact, they, Jacob is saying, uh, my way is hidden from the Lord. Pick it up at Isaiah 40, verse 1. And God speaks through Isaiah, and he says, comfort, Isaiah 41, verse 1. O oh, comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem. Call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. This ties to the Babylonian captivity as well. Here's the prophecy of John the Baptist. A voice is calling, clear the way of the Lord in the wilderness. By the way, this is written 700 years before John and Jesus were born. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low. Let the rough ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord, the one who is coming, the one who John prepared the way for, the one, this is like they they would prepare the road for a king. They would smooth out rough places, make sure he could travel smoothly, The one that he was preparing the way for was the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord will be revealed. All flesh will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, call out. Then he answered, what shall I call out? All flesh is grass. All its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands for how long? Forever. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. There's your gospel. Lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. This is the prophecy of Jesus coming on the horizon. This is the prophecy of John the Baptist preparing the way. This is the prophecy that was quoted in the Gospels. Here's the one that is coming. He is God. We beheld his glory, says John in John 1.14. And it says, Behold, the Lord God will come with might, verse 10, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him, his recompense is before him. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. His arm will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom, and he will gently lead the nursing ewes. Now, Go back to Mark. All of you know, I think, who have studied, studied the Bible just for a little while, that one of the great images of Jesus Christ is shepherd imagery. That's what Isaiah 40 just told us. He's the shepherd who will bring his lambs to himself. And he says, my sheep know my voice, and they what? They follow me, and I give them eternal life. This is what is at stake, Following Jesus is not just simply a pragmatic life choice. Following Jesus is eternally deciding where you're going to head. People don't like that. Modern audiences who listen to gospel preaching don't necessarily like the fact that we're talking about eternal consequences here. But that's precisely what Jesus said. And he said, if you follow me, nobody will snatch them out of my Father's hand. You will be kept, because I and my Father are one. Jesus' mission was to be that good shepherd who would lay down his life for his sheep. And he came, and Jesus came preaching. Jesus was a preacher. Praise God. Does a preacher's heart good. Jesus was a preacher, Mark 1.14 uses the word caruso for preaching. And the word has the idea of a herald or one who cries out. Jesus wasn't just softly saying, well, what do you think? He was saying, follow me. Follow me right out of the gate. This is his opening line. He tells people, follow me. This is what it's all about. He was preaching The good news of God. Now this came right on the heels of his temptation. Luke 4, if you want to just write it down, verses 13 through 15, says, When the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from Jesus until an opportune time. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the surrounding district. He began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. Jesus came out of the wilderness of testing into the sea of ministry. I just want to show you, Jim, if you got them ready. Um, this is the difference between the places that he was. He was tempted and tested in the wilderness. And remember, I told you that in the wilderness tradition, he was retracing the fallen footsteps of Israel. He was, he was conquering where they failed. And so he, he gets baptized in the Jordan. He, uh, he uh, faces the enemy and overcomes him with the word of God. And now he leaves this place, and he had been there for 40 days and, uh, dealing with the devil. Go ahead, Jim, if you go to the next one. And here is where he heads. This is the northern part of Israel. The difference between the Judean wilderness towards Jerusalem in the south and the northern part of Israel is, is kind of shocking when you first see it especially firsthand because the difference is you're in total desert and then you go to the northern part of Israel and this is the famous sheet of water called the Sea of Galilee. Some writers have called this the holiest sheet of water that is on the planet. This is the this is the place where much of Jesus' ministry took place and the difference is stark, isn't it? From temptation and testing and he, and he overcomes it into ministry, And I just want to make an application right here. Sometimes you go through a season of testing, and it seems like even longer than 40 days. But often that testing is preparing you for ministry. So you can experience being someone who's involved in the ministry. Uh, Jim, keep going if you would. So here's another view of this great sea, and it's about... It's also called a lake, but it's actually 12 miles long, and at its widest point, it's about seven miles wide. And this is is the prominent place where Jesus was ministering, and this is where he called the early apostles. He called them from a life of fishing. Look at verse 15 in your Bible. He was saying, here's what Jesus' preaching was. He said, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. See the word time in verse 15? That's the word kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S in Greek. The equivalent in Hebrew is moed. We have a Greek word called chronos, and that's where we get chronological time. Kairos is like a special moment of time. The Hebrew equivalent is Moed, M-O-E-D. And it speaks of something that is like a divine appointment. It's like it was on God's calendar. When the fullness of time came, God brought forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. The fullness of time had arrived. The Messiah was here. All the prophecy, all the discussion, John preaching You know, perhaps hundreds of thousands of people getting baptized in preparation to meet the Messiah. And now Jesus says, it is fulfilled. The time is here. The time is at hand. This is the prime time. This is the time when all that was written about Messiah is, notice, fulfilled. Jesus, out of his own lips, the time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand because the king has come. And you really have a chance to live in one of two kingdoms. You can live in the kingdom of this world or you can live in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is now. It is the rule of God over the people of God. This is an expression of the kingdom of God right here. And one day it will be fulfilled when he will rule and reign from Jerusalem. And we will serve him. And we will experience the beauty of a new Jerusalem and all that that means. And Jesus came and he said the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. And notice what he says next. He says, repent, verse 15, and believe in the gospel. Jesus was not only preaching the message, he was the message. He says, I'm here now. The king has arrived, and Jesus preached repentance right out of the gate. The word repentance in Greek is metanoia. It means to change your mind and change your actions in the Hebrew language, it's the word shuv, S-H-U-V in English, and it literally could be translated to burn the house. And here's the, the picture in the Hebrew language. When an ancient army would go into a city that they wanted to devastate, they would win a war, they would take a bunch of captives, and then they would go to like a, the top of a hill and they would burn the village that they had just destroyed to make sure that those prisoners of war knew that their village was destroyed and they had nothing to go back to. In the Hebrew language, shuv, burning the house, means once you decide to follow the king and his kingdom, you burn all the things that were of your old life. You don't leave something to go back to. And that's our problem, isn't it? We are tempted to go back. Israel was tempted to go back to Egypt, even though they had terrible slavery there. They just remembered the good food and you know other things, and they had forgotten all that they had been uh, delivered from. And Jesus said, it's time to repent, and it's time to believe. Yes, Jesus preached repentance. Would you turn to Luke 17? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So just the next book to your right, Luke 17. Jesus is engaged in a conversation here about the kingdom. Luke 17, look at verse 20. Luke 17, 20. Now having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, Luke 17, 20, Jesus answered them and said, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. It's here now. And I just say to you, there are people who miss primetime opportunities in their lives. Sometimes the biggest moments in our lives we don't recognize. I often watch people at crossroad moments in their lives, wrestle with God. I do memorial services and times when I'm preaching to people and I know someone's not saved and I know they have decided despite the weight of evidence, but despite their own clock ticking on their mortality, not to follow Jesus Christ. And I don't understand it. And I often see it happen in a person who says they believe. They're not some outspoken atheists. They say they believe, but they let moments pass them by. If you believe that this gospel is true, if you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, if you believe that eternity is at stake, what are you doing with that? I ask you, who are you truly following? Now let's talk about the temptation here in the wilderness. The things that Jesus may have encountered while being out there for 40 days. Is it even possible for anybody to try to fulfill this? I mean, I know you can only live so long without water or even food. The things that, you know, of course, when the tempter comes along and starts messing with him, what can, what application can we get or take from this in these wilderness uh, experiences that Jesus had went through? I think you hit on something key, the number 40. And they wandered for 40 years. Jesus was tempted for 40 days. So the, you see the link there, um, the nature of the temptation. OK, so you have the tempter come. Jesus is compelled to go out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And he tempts them first of all, in the area of food. Well, Israel, what did they whine about? They whined about the manna, right? He tempts them in the area of worship. Uh, Israel's biggest problem in the wilderness. They made a golden calf very early on in the wilderness wanderings. They were often tempted to imbibe or embrace the gods of the nations. Uh, Idolatry was a huge issue for them. And Satan says, if you'll just bow down and worship me, Jesus, well, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. You can have everything now. And Jesus says, no, you shall worship the Lord your God alone and serve him only. And then in the area of to the pinnacle of the temple, he takes him says, go ahead and jump off because it's written, he'll give his angels charge over you unless you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus says, you shall not what? Tempt or test the Lord your God. What did they do? They tested God in the desert. They pained the Holy One of Israel. Jesus is showing that he is succeeding where they, we failed. He is doing what they should have done, use the word of God to deal with the devil, what we should be doing. And he's fulfilling where we failed. And this is the the concept of the wilderness tradition, but it's wider than that, Oscar. It's the concept of the gospel. Very important for all of us to be reminded of or understand for the first time. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at LivingTruthCorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.